Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. This is Barbecue Nation After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Everybody, welcome to After Hours here on Barbecue Nation. My good friend, Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com is with us again. Had a great show. If you missed it, you can find it on SoundCloud or Captivate or any of those platforms. And we were talking about uh, hot dogs and sausages. One of my favorite things is besides just a plain hot dog, I love Polish sausages. I have since I Me was a too. kid. I just love yeah, I prefer them to hot dogs, frankly, and I adore hot dogs. Yeah. But I've noticed as I've traveled around what we call a poli in Chicago, I can't find the same thing around the country. In fact, I had something called a poli in D.C., and it was disgraceful. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if I just haven't hit the right places, but here in Chicago, polis tend to be um, about 50% fatter than a hot dog. They yep. have a natural casing. They're mostly pork, not beef. It's coarsely ground. Yep. It's heavily seasoned, especially with garlic. And then it's smoked. And uh, I just love those things. And you give me one of those, and I don't need anything on top of it. Yeah. I may throw some onions on there, but I don't want uh, mustard and relish and all that stuff. The, the dog, the, the, the sausage itself has got so much flavor. Yeah, I'm a I'm a really light yellow mustard guy and maybe maybe a few onions and when I say a few like eight little bits of chopped onion across the top of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm now, I'm set. I'm good to go with a poli. Now there. we should say that Poland is renowned around the world as a sausage um country. I mean they make hundreds of different regional styles of sausages. Mm -hmm. So what we call a poli in this country or a Polish sausage is really a variation on the kielbasa, yep. and it, which is one type of, of, of sausage over there. Um, and, and But even so, here, there's a, Chicago has the largest Polish population of any city outside of Poland. And so there's a good number of Polish restaurants and butcher shops. And the kielbasas that they serve are really different than the Polish sausages. So, um, it, you know, and, and boy, you go into a real Polish butcher shop and the sausage options are just mind-boggling. And they're wonderful. Um, you know what's big here, also here in Chicago, are Italian sausages. And again, Italy must have a bazillion regional styles of sausage. What we call Italian sausage is uh, the Tony Soprano Italian sure. sausage. Also, 
a, a ground pork-based sausage in a natural casing. And actually, I've made them. There's a recipe to make Polish uh, Italian sausages on my website, and they're really authentic. Um, and those are served here with something they call jardinere. And jardinere is pickled vegetables. Um, and uh, uh, But at Polish... Uh, at, at, at Italian restaurants, I keep saying Polish, at Italian uh, uh, restaurants, uh, um, Italian sausages are really popular, really popular in Chicago. We have, um, not far from where I live, is a little community called <clears throat> Mount Angel. And when they have the Oktoberfest, it, it was basically founded years ago by uh german immigrants and there's a monastery there which makes phenomenal chocolate and they make their own sausages and uh, it, it's great and um they have the mount angel sausage company there and they probably make 30 different varieties of of different sausages and the the guy who started it and then his son who's kept it going they're very active they've gone back to europe and learned how to make these because they make them all themselves. You can look, there's some um, glass windows and stuff you can look at while they're processing them. And, and it's just a two man. This isn't big, a big production line. This is two guys in there grinding the meat, adding the seasoning, putting them in the casings, the whole thing. And you can, you can watch them and um, God, they're good. Oh man, and they have what? the they have the sausage festival every year too out there. And what's the old saying about you don't ever want to watch a sausage being made? You yeah. know, sausage in politics. Yeah. I love watching sausages being made. I love making them. I've got I got myself a really good grinder and a really good stuffer in the basement. I don't use them often enough, uh, but I love doing it. Hey, I also have a great recipe for my all time favorite sausage. Sure, Andouille. Yep. Andouille. Yep. Um, they are just fantastic. And uh, there's a good recipe for making andouille on the website. And I figured out a shortcut for making andouille because real andouille has a curing agent in it. And so you've got to kind of cure. And if you don't have the curing agent and you can't use too much because it's a preservative, I figured out how to make a pretty darn good andouille by using ham instead of curing the sausage, because cured, cured pork, ham is cured pork. Right. And that's what's in andouille. I call it hamdouille, and it's pretty darn good facsimile of a real andouille. Wow. I'm going to have to, uh, next time I come to Chicago, and I know we Well, sit just go to my website and get a hamdouille. Well, you want andouille, you got to go to New Orleans. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm just going to uh, come to your house, and you're going to feed me. Oh, so, okay. That, yeah. that I'm up for. <laughs> it's it's all good yeah you know and i think i think back to actually for our listeners you know grilling um if if you're if you're at home and you've just got a uh you know a weber gas grill or one of the that's perfectly fine for what we've been talking about to get oh, yeah. to get your uh, Memorial Day barbecue going between the sausage. And that's the that's one of the ones that you can actually cook with some ease if you're not really adept, mm -hmm. adept at this. You can cook the chicken and the sausage and the burger on the same grill at the same time if you're paying mm -hmm. attention and get that done. And 
All you got to do sure is make sure you got fuel, make sure it's clean, make sure the grease trap is cleaned out, um, and make sure you've tested it before you fire it up because chances are you haven't done it yet this year for a lot of people, <laughs> you know, make sure it works and, and you're good to go. You really good. Uh, here's, a, here's another pro tip. Yep. Um, any kind of ground meat should be cooked to 155 or so right. for it to be safe. Most of the time, and I've tested this, when we cook sausages and hot dogs, we way overshoot the mark. We're, wait, we're, we're waiting for the skin to brown and get crisp or even split. Um, and by the time that happens, you're up in the 80s and 90s, 180, 190. Sure. Use your digital thermometer probe. Now, I know a lot of people don't want to stick it in the side of the sausage because it will squirt. You'll lose a bit of fat. We won't dry it out by any means. No. But, but stick it in the end. Um, you, you just stick it in the end of the sausage, and it'll go towards the center, and you can get a reading at 155, and you're done. And if you really want a nice amber or dark exterior, crank up the heat. Yep. So you get a good dark exterior and don't overcook the interior. And if you do that, you'll be surprised at how moist. You'll go, oh, my God, I've been ruining my sausages. Well, and you told them earlier in the show about making a kind of a cross slit in the end of the sausage yeah. or the hot dog. It works perfect that way. You don't have to break yeah. the casing yeah. during the, in the middle. It works great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, the other thing, too, is chicken. Um, people around here heard my what we call Foodie Thursday report talking about there's a possibility of shortage of chickens. Believe me, there's plenty of live chickens. It's processing and transportation and that's causing this little back backlog of things. And it's only in certain, I hadn't heard about that certain parts of the country. Yeah. Um, just because of, of, you know, people not going back to work, even though things are opening up and, and COVID, they're still short truck drivers and stuff. So it'll work itself out, man. They're not going to yeah. stop growing chickens, folks. But I'm a firm believer. You've heard me say it on this show many times. Meathead and I have talked about it many times. Uh, if you're going to have little kids around there, I like chicken legs. Little kids can pick up a chicken leg um, and run around and play and, and be munching on it, you know, and if they set it down, it's not like dumping a hamburger with, with, you know, ketchup and relish and tomatoes and stuff on mm -hmm. it and tipping mm -hmm. it. You've got a mess to clean up. It's easy to pick up a chicken leg that some kid threw on the ground. If you, mm -hmm. you know, if you have to, that's my theory. What's I your, agree. and, and, um, uh, you can, um, make sure that you temp those babies. In the thick part, you want to get them to 160 yep. uh, minimum. Um, chicken is probably the riskiest of all food. Um, well, actually, this is interesting. I don't know if we've talked about this. Sprouts, not Brussels sprouts, but mung bean sprouts and yep. alfalfa sprouts, they're the most risky food in the grocery store. But chicken is right up there near them. So you want to make sure you cook them to 160 to be sure they're safe, especially for kids. You don't want to have to take them to the emergency ward on Memorial Day. But jumping back to the question about sprouts, this is really interesting. If you've, if you've ever seen sprouts grown, basically they take these little beans, mung beans, alfalfa beans. Uh, they're various sizes, but they're beans, uh, seeds. 
and you soak them in water overnight or so until they absorb a bunch of water, and then they start to germinate. And uh, you um, let them germinate, and they they grow this tail. They look like a, a sprout. Yeah. Well, and they grow this tail, and it takes several days for it to grow fully, and you keep moistening them, often with warm water, and maybe you'll put them in a sunny spot to encourage the growth. Well, those are wonderful growing conditions for sprouts, and guess what? Those are also the ideal growing conditions for bacteria. Yep, yep. And so sprouts, which are just seeds, can have bacteria on them because they're grown out in the field. Birds fly over them, mice rumble by, yep. uh, hogs, deer, whatever. They're easily contaminated. Um, and, and now you've given the bacteria ideal growing conditions. So that that's a perfectly great way to freak out your, your health food and your vegan and vegetarian friends um, to tell them that sprouts are riskier than rare, than, than, than rare hamburger. Um, and uh, I have documented all this. It's on AmazingRibs.com with links to all the scientific literature. This is just not Meathead's opinion, um, and it is well known. My wife, who is a Ph.D. microbiologist, was actually involved in the research on how to make sprouts safer, uh, methods of washing them, cleansing them, and so on, and they are um, the riskiest food in the store. That's why I don't go near them. <laughs> you can cook them. I can cook you know, them. I mean, you go to a Chinese restaurant, there's bean sprouts mixed in. They're cooked. They're safe. Oh, yeah. But raw sprouts on a sandwich or something, uh, pretty yeah. risky. Yeah, pretty risky. So let's let's hop back to chicken real quick. Um, My method is, well, it depends on what I'm cooking on. Uh, if I'm using a pellet smoker, if I'm using gas, if I'm using charcoal, whatever, like that. I tend to cook chicken. This is just me. I tend to cook chicken. Um, at the start, I actually kind of get them a little, not too much over the direct heat. It's kind of hard to explain how I do it. But I, I put them over the direct heat, if you will, for a short period of time. And then if I'm using a gas grill, I actually put them up on the up, upper rack uh, mm -hmm. after I've got the, the crust on them. And they've been seasoned and stuff. And then I cook them a little slower that way. And, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll glaze them with some sauce. A lot of times I won't, depending on the crowd, that type of thing. But I've always had great success, <clears throat> excuse me, with that. And it also uh, won't get them burnt or, or too crispy on the outside and raw on the inside because people, mm -hmm. people freak out about that. So we have all been to a Memorial Day cookout. Yep. Where somebody's got chicken on the grill and he pulls them off and they're blackened on the outside <laughs> and the barbecue sauce is crispy and it smells wonderful. You take a bite into it and it's raw in the center. Yeah, it's still clucking. And yeah. we, and we mean, don't... The solution to that is, and the way I recommend people do it, is just your classic reverse sear. Yep. Set up your grill in two zones. One side has got a lot of heat with flame underneath it or glowing coals. The other side, nothing. And you put the chicken on the nothing side, and it just sits there in warm convection flow air. Yep. It takes a while, but it gently warms the chicken, and you'll take it up to about 150. Your target is 160. 
Take it up to about 150 on the indirect side, and it's going to be consistent throughout. It's not going to be too dry because you're keeping the temperature down with indirect temp. And then move it over to the direct heat where it's right above flame on a gas grill or glowing red coals on a charcoal grill. Lift the lid, stand right there, and keep an eye on them if you're going to sauce them. Uh, wait just a little bit until you get the skins golden and crispy. Then hit them with a little sauce, roll them around, and off they come. Yep. And they're perfect and uh, 160 degrees and safe. And you might get a little bit of char on that sauce, and they're fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Because how I came up with the way I did it is I used to do this thing at the Oregon Ducks football games called the Quack Shack. And so we would have people... <laughs> People coming in uh, for uh, almost four hours before a game, and they would they would just kind of pass through, you know, mill in and mill out type thing. But I always had to have some cooked chicken. Now I could do sausages. No duck. No. Duck, no. <laughs> Although the the odd part about that is I graduated from Oregon State, and so they're a big rivalry and all that. So when of I course. when I did. Uh, uh, and they're Oregon State beavers, so they wouldn't let me cook a beaver. So I had to, I would cook ducks, and we did a lot of fun. I just think that's that's such a fun round. It the is. Beavers versus the ducks. ducks yes. What, 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 <laughs> but I, that's but a I, tune. but I had to have, I always had to have chicken legs ready because I could cook them a hamburger or I could cook mm -hmm. them a piece of steak in, in pretty short order, you know, as you know. But I couldn't always guarantee that there was going to be chicken ready. So that's how I kind of mm -hmm. kind of started doing that. And I would rotate them through. And then I always had chicken legs or thighs for them uh, along with their burger. Because they, they did consume a lot of protein prior to hitting the beverage stand. So they, they it helped them. You know, that's, that's the way that happened. So let me ask you this before we wrap this up, Meathead. What are you going to cook on Memorial Day? I haven't given it thought yet. Uh -oh. um, um, uh, you know, um, you know, all all the regulations have all of a sudden loosened up, and uh, I'm fully vaccinated, and so are um, many of our friends and uh, family. And uh, uh, normally, it'd be a family gathering. My wife has a very large family here in the uh, Chicagoland area. Um, and I haven't heard any discussion about a gathering yet for Memorial Day. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was. Um, and uh, I'll have to consult with her and see what she uh, has in mind. Otherwise, if it's just the two of us, we'll probably do some hamburgers and, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll probably do. Um, we've talked about this <clears throat> and this is where Meathead and I get off in the weeds. But my buddies at. My friends at Painted Hills package up, there's two in a package, Terrace Major, which is a shoulder muscle. And if, mm -hmm. and if you, you know, take the sinew and a little bit of the fat off it, I leave some of it on there. But if you cook it, you can actually cut them in little round, uh, almost look like little baby fillets. And so, mm. and so I, I'm going to send you a package of those. I have de determined that uh, I'll get some more of that in June, and I'm going to send you a package so you can try it because I know you've heard me talk about it. But I'll probably do some Terrace Majors, uh, probably some uh, maybe some Polish sausages or German sausage or andouille or whatever like mm. that. Probably do that and then have a little chicken on there. So 
Um, they can have their choice, and then I can eat well for a couple of days afterward. That's what. There I'm, you go. I always I'm. have to have leftovers. Yeah, I'm good. Meathead, it's always a pleasure. Uh, it really is. Um, My pleasure. Always fun to talk to you. Uh, you know, I've said it before. These chats are just like if we're sitting in a bar. One of these days, we got to do this in a bar. In a bar with a, with a beer and uh, and a burger and yep. just. Uh, Spend an hour and a half uh, shooting the breeze. We can do that. I I will. Uh, well, like you said, now that things are lightening up, uh, light, mm-hmm. or lightening, lightening up, not lightning. Um, I'm. Th- I think we'll probably get our chance here before too long. Anyway, uh, you and Mrs. Meathead have a great Memorial Day, and and you and uh, we'll talk to you probably sometime in the next month or so. You will. That's going to wrap it for us this week, folks, on After Hours. I hope you got something out of this broadcast because it was sure fun to do. We'll be back next week with another edition of After Hours. Take care, everybody. <laughs>